I'm so excited to be here. We are looking today at Obadiah. This is an exciting book. Okay, this is a book that you better start looking for it now if you brought your Bible because it's going to take you 10 minutes to find it. I had to go over and get David Capes to help me. He had to get Kathy Capes to help him help me, but we found it. Next Sunday, I will not be here. Our daughter is running the Niagara Falls Marathon, one of our daughters, and so Becky and I will be there to cheer her on. David Capes is going to um, teach and start with the book of Amos, and I just found out sitting over there with him and uh, Kathy that it looks like he's going to have a little bag of famous Amos cookies for everybody who shows up live. <laughs> So you're going to want to come because I don't know how good his teaching will be, but the food's going to be really special. And no, his teaching's always above, above and beyond good. And I get so many compliments when he teaches. So thank you, Dr. Capes, for filling in. And um, yeah, so let's get after it. Uh, we've got a countdown to class here because I don't have time for an introduction. Now you're saying, but wait, the countdown only goes to six. That's right. We don't even have time for a countdown. We got too much stuff to do, so let's get after it. These are the plans for today. I've got an action plan for class. The action plan is really simple. The first thing we're going to do is traipse through Obadiah. So we're just going to like do a little hopscotch through it. And then after we do that, I've got a special treat for you. And then after the special treat, I've got points for home. I see Doug Tosh over there. Doug's daughters, the, the twin daughters, are also running the Niagara Falls Marathon with Sarah. They've been friends since preschool, and even at this point, they get together and run marathons. So um, it's a crazy world. Um, uh, I'm running for the door while they're running the marathon. Let's do the minor prophets. Today we're taking Obadiah out, and so I want to open it up with you. I want to see what we've got as we do the beginning, as we traipse through Obadiah. So work with me on that, and let's begin just getting, whoops, there we go, open it up, that's it. Let's begin right at the beginning. The vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord concerning Edom, we've heard a report from the Lord. Now we're going to pause, and we're going to take really good digestion of this stuff. I don't know how, what kind of eater you are. Uh, what I tend to do is I tend to eat fast and I tend to just want more and more and more and I tend to just shove it in my mouth and, and meanwhile my wife sits there delicately with her hands in her laps, no elbows on the table and she eats properly with silverware and I'm, I'm sure my mom wonders where I, she went amiss. And it was by letting me eat around dad. And it was, um, it's just, I don't chew my food the way some people do. There are people who actually chew their food more than like five times before they swallow it. There are people who chew 20 and 25 and 30 times. That's what we're going to do a little bit with some of Obadiah so that we can really enjoy the flavor and the taste and really appreciate what it is. Now, I was starting my work on this and I was starting to write on Obadiah and it was set to be my morning time recently when I was in New York City. 
and I had set it aside and I had set my alarm so that I could wake up in time to do some quiet time and to do some work on Obadiah before I had to go get after my day job uh, as a lawyer. And, and in my sleep, I guess I had a song playing because as I started to awaken a full hour before my alarm, and this is after almost six weeks of travel. I mean, I'm worn out. I'm just, just frazzled. And, and I awaken, and I've got a song playing in my head. And it's a song off the Lead Me On album by Amy Grant. And the name of the song is 1974, an unusual name for a song. But the song is about her conversion in 1974. She grew up in the church, but it was 1974 when she gave her life uh, to, to, to the Lord. And the experience of that conversion is conveyed in the lyrics. And so about midway down, this is the part that I was going in my head when I woke up an hour before I had to, even though I hadn't been getting enough sleep. I wake up and all I hear is this purer, than the sky behind the rain falling down all around us. Purer than the sky behind the rain falling down all around us. Calling out from a boundless love. Love had lit a fire, we were the flame, burning into the darkness, shining out from inside us. And I thought, what a tremendous song in my head and I, I mean I'm and and so I, I have to play it immediately and I hear that next lyric line of not a word no one had to say we were changed nothing else we lived through would ever be the same knowing the truth we had gained I thought man I, I'd forgotten how much I love this song I just forgot how much I love this song because that's my experience in this world, my experience in this world happened the same year Amy's did. It was 1974. And, and to remember that change, that, that when you give your life to God, it is an experience that changes you forever. And it modifies who you are, and it modifies how you think, and it modifies how you live. And for some of us who are progressively age-wise distant from that time, we appreciate her lyric at the end, or the bridge, I should say, in the song. Stay with me, make it ever new. So time will not undo. As the years go by, how I need to see that's still me. If you don't know that song, download it. Or listen to it on YouTube or, or however you listen to your music. It's really good. But I hear that song, I'm in New York, and then I go sit down uh, uh, to, to look at Obadiah. And I'm looking at Obadiah in the Hebrew. And Obadiah in the Hebrew starts out, Kazon Ovadiah. Um, Dieter, are you here today? Dieter's not here. Dieter sent me an email about shuv, a Hebrew word that I was talking about, and he said that when he looked it up, he thought it said shub, 
And this is a Hebrew B, but if it doesn't have a dot in the middle, it's pronounced as a V. Victor, V. So this is Ovad Yah. We say Obadiah. That's fine. He just wouldn't know who you were talking to. Ovad Yah. And Ovad Yah's name, well, it's, first it's got a vision, a chazon of Ovad Yah. And vision, this word chazon, is not like someone's been eating goofy mushrooms or dropping LSD. It's not a mirage. It's not an apparition. It's a vision that's been placed by God. It's a prophetic message. It's God's message. And that's an important word for you to know. And it's an important word for me to know. And it starts the entire book. This is God's message. This is God's vision. And it's one uh, that, that was given to or of Eved Yah. And so uh, um, we, we've got or Aved Yah, excuse me, no, Oved Yah, there we go, Oved Yah. So this is the way the book starts out, a vision of Oved Yah. Now, Oved Yah is a makeup of two Hebrew words, Eved at the start and Yah. Eved in this form, Ovad, is the little, it's, it's called a diminutive, it means small, like Instead of saying uh, uh, chica in Spanish, you can say chiquita, you know, little. Can't you say that, Becky? Did I do that right? Okay. Um, you, you, it's, it's, it's like little, little. Like if you wanted to, to you know, Steve Taylor. Well, I can say Steve Taylor. Or I can say Mr. Taylor with respect. I've never heard anyone call him Little Stevie Taylor. But, but that's, that's, the, that's what Ovid is in this form. It's little servant. So Ovid Yah, two words, is little servant. That's the first word. And does anybody guess what Yah is at the end of a name? It's an abbreviation for Yahweh, the name of God. So Ovad Yah is the little servant of Yahweh. The teensy little servant of Yahweh gets a vision. Now, this is powerful stuff. George Foreman does not look like that anymore, by the way. I saw him recently. But this is powerful stuff. If you take God's vision and you put it with God's smallest little servant, you have all the power to change the world. If you take God's vision, God's message, God's prophetic word and put it in the hands of his smallest little servant. You've got the power to change the world. 
So if that's the case, it makes me want to say, let's look just a moment longer at that Hebrew word, chazon. I'm going to give you two other passages that help you understand this and help me understand it. It's going to be Proverbs 29.18 and Joel 2.28. So we'll start with Proverbs 29.18. Hey, David, I can find Proverbs. So you don't have to get Kathy to help us. 29.18. Where there is no prophetic vision chazon that's the same word people cast off restraint uh, another translation of that is people are discouraged older versions say people perish probably a little bit better to say that they're discouraged or they they cast off restraint they go pell-mell haywire they're misdirected and they don't have the walk in the Lord of encouragement. That's the power of God's message. That's the power of God's communication to you and to me. And we get that in God's word. But it's not the only place we get it. There's another minor prophet, Joel. And in Joel 2, 28... Note, uh, yeah, here it is, Joel 2, 28. It says the following. Let me lift that up just a smidgen. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all. Not just selective People. In the Old Testament, God's Spirit selectively indwelled certain people. But Joel is prophesying that there's going to be a day where God's Spirit will be poured out on all of his people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men shall see chazon, visions, a message of the Lord. This is Hebrew poetry, so it's, it's not saying that only young men get the vision. It's, this is an expression of how it's going to be, and it's going to be there for everybody. In other words, the Spirit of God in human, the Spirit of God in God's people, the Spirit of God in you and me, when we give our life to Him, will confirm and teach and convict and enrich us with God's message. And it keeps us from being discouraged and it keeps us from being pointless and, and driven without any direction. And it empowers us as little servants of God to change the world. And that's all wrapped up in these first two words of Obadiah. If we just chew long enough to get it. And so there I was in New York City. There I was with that Amy Grant song. 1974, I had these lyrics. And I was thinking, this is Obadiah. But this is us today. 
you experience God and God's spirit works in you to produce something that is boundless in its love. And you don't have to say you're changed. If, 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 if you know, Steve and I don't have to sit and talk to each other and say, why has God changed your life? We can talk about how God's changed our life, but not has he. It's just a question of how. So with that, uh, let's continue. The vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. Now, thus says Adonai Yahweh. The Lord, well, God. Now, normally, when the name of God is used in the Old Testament, we know that it's used. Yahweh is his name. Remember, Yahweh's how he revealed himself to Moses. Moses says, what's your name? He says, Yahweh. It's translated, I am. Because God is. He was yesterday. He is today. He will be tomorrow. He never changes. He's the present tense. I am. God is always constant. God's always the same. And so he reveals himself as that to Moses. And normally when we're reading our Bible, we know when the name of God is used because they write it as Lord in all capital letters. They just take the O-R-D and make it a little bit smaller. But it's all capitals. The problem is this passage actually uses the word Lord in addition to the name of God. So the translators could say, well, Lord, Lord, and that would be a goofy translation. I mean, how's that going to look if they translate this thing um, where you read, all right, this is Lord, that's the name of God, but you've also just got Lord, whoops, and sometimes you don't even have to capitalize it, but, but those are two different words. And so instead of going, Lord, uh, let's see, I guess it's the small one first, and then Lord, which would read real goofy, what the translators do instead is they say, Lord, and then they do that all capital thing with God, even though God's not technically even in the original. But it's the idea. So this is translated the Lord God because the Lord is Yahweh. Just, it's a freebie. First Hebrew class I ever took was at Texas Tech University. And we, we were taught by a fellow who grew up an Orthodox Jew. And he uh, told us when we're reading and we come to the name of God not to say it. He said, the name of God's too holy to be pronounced. You do not say it. If you say it, lightning will strike. So if we saw Yahweh, Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey in the Hebrew, we weren't supposed to say it. And there was this young lady in first year Hebrew class who, she, she, you know, some of us were in there just dying for everything. I think she was in there to get a credit. And, and she didn't come to class all the time and she didn't pay attention when she was there. And we had reached a point where we were reading the Joseph story and we had gotten to reading out loud and she was reading out loud and she came to Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey, 
the name of God. And he had taught us just say Adonai, just say my Lord. And, and, or say Hashem, which just means the name. And, and she's reading along and, and she's like, Yah, Yah, and he's, stop, 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 no, 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 because he realizes she's trying to pronounce the name of God and lightning's going to strike. She's, no, no, I got it. Yah, and he says, no, 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 you don't say, you don't, no, no, you don't say, yes, I can say this. Yah, but, but it doesn't have vowels in the Hebrew when it's written in the text, so she's struggling with, well, she was struggling with reading anything, but, but she was struggling with it. And, uh, uh, and, and finally, I, I think he's going to have a heart attack and die. And finally, he just basically walks over and looks at her and says, you never say that word. You never say that word. Because it's that holy. David Capes and I were meeting with a rabbinical student the other day. And we were talking about how even in the Dead Sea Scrolls, they wouldn't write the name of God. In the Habakkuk Pesher, they just put four dots to fill it in. That's how holy the name of God is. God is the present tense. Hebrew doesn't even have a present tense. Save God. God is the present tense. And so when you get this passage, thus says the Lord God, and you're reading it, Adonai, with that Yod at the end means my Lord. That personalizes it. My Lord, Yahweh. Thus says the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, the God who has revealed himself, the God who is the present tense, the God whose name is not even to be pronounced. He's my Lord. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. Now, if my Lord, Yahweh God, has a message for me, I don't know about you, but I plan on listening. I'm going to tune into that message. I want to hear what he's got to say. It's concerning Edom. La Edom, le Edom, le means to or toward. Um, Edom, Edom, le Edom, the word of the Lord God concerning Edom. Now, that's a bit strange. Concerning Edom, Edom is not Israel. Edom is not Judah. Edom goes back to Esau in Genesis, the brother who would sell his birthright for a bowl of wolf brand chili or whatever had been cooked up. But he says, concerning Edom, we've heard a report from the Lord and a messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up. Let us rise against her for battle. And this is the word of the Lord to Edom. When um, I was young, I worked one summer for a church in and. 
I generally try not to identify this stuff on the internet because it lives and breathes on the internet. I have no trouble identifying this stuff. I worked at the League City Church of Christ and the church secretary and her husband who was in the military asked me to house sit for them for a week. They had a bulldog, Baron von Ludwig Beethoven. And I was supposed to house sit and feed this dog. And one day I go out to feed the dog and I've got his food and I set it down in front of him and that bulldog turns around and bites literally the hand that feeds him. And I mean, he bit me good enough to where I have this white bubble of fat coming up through my skin. I have to like go get it. It's actually a pretty cool story. I'll tell you sometime, but, but he bit the hand that fed him. And the reason why is he was a territorial dog and I was sticking my hand down there at the same time I'm handing him food, but he just wants to make it real clear. That's his territory. Drop the food and go. And this whole territorial idea is one that, that was very prominent in the day of Obadiah. People believed that gods had their little kingdoms or fiefdoms. And so you've got the God who's in the storms. And that's his kingdom. You've got the God of these people. You've got the God of those people. And Yahweh must be the God of Israel and the God of Judah. And even Israel and Judah get mixed up at times and start bringing in the other gods because of who they are. But when one country goes to fight against another country or one tribe against another tribe, it's also viewed as a war between their gods to see which god's tougher. The Greeks and the Romans had much the same idea. You have Poseidon, who's the god of the water. You know, the, 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 the Norse have Thor, who's the thunder god. And every god's got their little domain. They've got their territory. And Israel comes with a revelation from the Lord God that says, I'm not a territorial god. I'm not a God over Israel. I'm not a God over Judah. I'm over the whole earth. I'm over the whole heavens. I'm over everybody. If I want to speak to Edom, I can speak to Edom. If I wanted to command a king in Timbuktu, I can do that. Because I'm God everywhere. And that's who God is. Now, Edom didn't know God. There are a lot of people in our world today that don't acknowledge God. Do you think that means God disappears? Of course it doesn't. We may choose not to worship him, but he's still God. I mean, we, we can say, well, I don't want to have anything to do with God. Well, that's not like, oh, poor God, now you've just diminished him. No. So God has no trouble speaking to Edom. And the message that he says, he says, behold, I'm going to make you small among the nations. You're going to be utterly despised. I worked for a fellow one time, a lawyer, who was um, half lawyer, half mean guy. That's not really his picture. Um, he wasn't that nice. And I remember there was a deposition 
where this young lawyer on the opposite side of the case was being a little belligerent to the mean lawyer I worked for. And the mean lawyer I worked for said to him, boy, what is your name? And the lawyer said, John Doe. And my boss said, you stay right here. And he goes back to his office. He pulls me with him because he's going to teach me how to do this. Calls the head of that little boy's law firm. The owner of the law firm, senior partner, says, you've got a boy here in this deposition named blank. Do you know him? Yes, I do. I just want you to be on notice that I will destroy your law firm and every client you've got if you don't heal this boy in, remove him from this case and never put him on any other case that I'm affiliated with. If you don't do that, then I will never settle a case with you. I will destroy you. I will destroy all of your clients and you will lose your law firm. Do you understand me? I mean, he, and I was like, wow, he's mean. I didn't want to tick him off. But I want to tell you something. As mean and rough as he might sound and as vengeful, He's a piece of paper blowing in the wind compared to God. He doesn't have, now God doesn't fly off the handle in fits of anger. I'm not suggesting that. But what I'm suggesting is in terms of power, this guy's got nothing. And, and, And this is the God who's not a territorial God. This is the God who's Lord of heaven and earth. And sometimes that means the sun is out and the wind's behind us. But this is a God you don't want to get on his bad side. You say, well, Mark, talk about God as a God of love. Oh, he loves. But part of his love is hating evil. And you think you hate evil? Your hatred of evil doesn't hold a candle to God's because God promises to destroy evil. There will come a day where evil is destroyed. And that's God. And I'm telling you, you can't read Obadiah and just walk away without understanding that God is an awesomely powerful God. The book continues the The pride of your hearts deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? The pride of your heart has deceived you. Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. And he's speaking to Edom. Have you ever met an Edomite? Mm Mm-mm. They're gone. Oh, you can go over to their lands. You can go over to Jordan. If you ever go to Jordan, you're going to want to go see the ruins of Petra. Or you can just watch Indiana Jones. But I've never met an Edomite. 
Even the ruins of Petra aren't by the Edomites. They were done right after the Edomites were destroyed by the next people to live there. But on these mountains and on these hills set aloft are the Edomites. And they think they're something special. And they're marauding Israel, Judah. They're going in there and they're stealing crops. They're stealing people. They're taking the women away. They're taking the children and enslaving them. And they're saying, nobody can get us, man. We're out here hidden in our hills. And God's not happy with it and God's not putting up with it. And God says, don't start being arrogant. Don't start thinking you're something special. Now, I'm not suggesting any of us in here are Edomites. Although, if you ever see someone acting haughty and you want to say something, I'm not saying you just say, well, you're acting pretty snooty right now. But you can ask them, hey, are you an Edomite? Um, they won't know what you're talking about. But I mean, even in the small things in our hearts, we may not be a, a, a country or a nation, but do we take this to heart? Do we realize what Isaiah 2.12 and James 4.6 says? Isaiah 2.12. This, uh, this is important stuff. Isaiah 2.12. Isaiah 1. I think it's right after Isaiah 1. Let's try Isaiah 2.12. The Lord of hosts. See, it's all capital Lord. That's Yahweh. Yahweh of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty. Against all that is lifted up. And it shall be brought low. Said, well, but God's loving. He's not going to be upset with me if I'm arrogant and haughty. Time out. Read what he tells you because he's not going to leave you to be something that you shouldn't be. Um, James 4, 6. We'll go brother of Jesus here. The earthly brother of Jesus writes the following. God gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And that's who God is. God's not going to let us think we're something that we're not. Heaven forbid we do that. Okay, I've got to keep my eye on the time. We may be traipsing a little too slowly. If thieves came to you, if plunderers came by night, how you would have been destroyed. Would they not only steal enough for themselves? If grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? It reads kind of goofy. I'll work through the metaphor with you in a minute. And then he ends it with this little part with how Esau has been pillaged, his treasures sought out. God is saying that if a thief comes in the night, He's going to steal what he needs or wants, but rarely do they clean out the whole house. If grape harvesters are harvesting the grapes, they're going to grab the grapes they need, but they'll leave little bits there. 
says, that's not the way it's going to be when God destroys Edom, though. Or Esau, which is the, the name for Edom here. That's not the way it's going to be. God's going to do it totally and utterly, 100%. Becky and I watched a film the other night um, that, uh, I don't know if it makes fun of West Texas or not, but I think it does. We watched it because there's a good line about Texas Tech in it. But the, the snotty little uh, New York guy is uh, always saying, 100%. 100%, instead of saying yes, it's always 100%. Uh, I'm here, I gave you a little clip of the movie here. Um, let's see if it'll play. Tell me something that you love about where you live. Tell me about it. You want to okay, go right now? Hold on. Tell me something that you love about where you live. Whataburger! Oh, okay, yeah. great. Um, tell me about it. You want to go right now? Yeah, let's go. Uh, I'm ready. You want just to... no, just uh, tell me about it. You're gonna love Whataburger, Ben. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> what makes it the best? Wherever you are, there's a Whataburger. Yeah, it's always right there. Okay, and then when you get there, what do you like about it? What do you get? Yeah. Whatever you want. You could order whatever you want, Ben. Right, but there are a lot of places like that. So let's say. <clears throat> There's a McDonald's, a Burger King, a Sonic, and a Whataburger all lined up. Which one do you go to? Whataburger! Right, right. Why? Because, because it's, it's right there! 100%. 100%. I was thinking about that because that 100% seems so out of place in that movie because so little in this world is 100%. But I do want to tell you that God's 100% reliable. And the same God who can be relied on to bring down the haughty can be relied on to lift up the humble. Let me say it again. The same God that can be relied on to bring down the arrogant, proud, haughty can be relied on 100% to lift up the humble, the meek, and the lowly. And that needs to give me and I suspect a number of us an attitude adjustment. And if you're thinking, I don't need that attitude adjustment, you need that attitude adjustment because that was awfully proud of you to say that. He continues, and he says, All your allies have driven to your border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They have prevailed against you. Those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. See, Edom wasn't a big nation. They weren't real powerful. So when they wanted to rape, pillage, and plunder Judah they'd get the other surrounding nations to join them and to go do it. And what God's saying is, is you think that those are your buddies? Those buddies are going to come home and they're going to go after you. I'm going to use your allies against you. They're going to destroy you. I don't have time for this story, but I will tell you the principle. Um, we had a drug case where there was a bad drug that, that caused bad problems and we knew it and we just needed to find the documents and I told my team, I know they've produced millions and millions and millions of pages, just start digging because you can't practice vice virtuously. You can't do wicked and evil and sin and do it in a nice, good, wonderful way. You're going to leave a trail behind you. 
And that trail is going to attract ruthless and corrupt consequences. That's the way of it. Paul says it this way in Galatians. God is not, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. For whatever someone sows in this life, that also shall they reap. If you stick your hand in the fire, you're going to get burned. You can't practice vice virtuously. And that's what the Edomites had tried to do. And God says, because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you and you shall be cut off forever. Look at this. Because of the violence done to Judah and Israel, to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you. We should be ashamed when we're violent. Now, I don't think most of us here are getting involved in fistfights. But not all violence is physical. Every word. I can remember, Mom, I think I was in third grade when Catherine and I were fighting. And Catherine has a headache. She's not here this morning. She texted, said she hated to miss. So I can tell a story on her. (laughs) And I called Catherine a name. And Mom said... No. And she sang this song. And turns out we had it in our church hymnal. Um, I always hated the song. Not so much for any reason except the melody's just like, but boy, it stuck in my brain from third grade on. The lyrics, angry words, oh, let them never from the tongue unbridled slip. You can't grab that word back. You can't say to someone, I'd like to go into your brain and erase from your memory what I just said. Recall. And violence should make us shamed. Shame should cover us. Every word we have has a chance to build, to teach, to edify, to instruct, to to lift up, to minister. But every one of those positives, there's a negative that goes with it. To mislead, to deceive, to wrongly teach, to hurt. Now, we got to scoot a little bit. Um, We're running out of time. I need to tell you the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you've done, it'll be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. I had a really cool clip. We don't have time to play the clip. We've got to move on because I do want to not just traipse through Obadiah, but I want to give you a special treat. So this special treat comes from my buddy Phil Keggy. We haven't heard from Phil in a while. I don't know if you know it or not, but Phil played and sang in Paul McCartney's sister-in-law's wedding, which gave Phil and Paul McCartney a chance to play guitars together. So I thought it appropriate to, uh, if I could craft some lyrics, to see if Phil might do us a song. So here's your special treat. Obladi, oblada, obladaya.
Well done, Phil. Well done, Phil. All right. Well, we've, we've made it through a lot of this class. We've traipsed through Obadiah, left some verses out, maybe another time. Special treat, and here are your points for home. First of all, let's be blunt with each other. From the youngest in here to the oldest in here, we all have a long way to go to find the holiness of God. I, 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 I'm... I'm better along the road than I used to be by his grace. But I got a long way to go. I got lots to work on. I'm, I'm not short of projects where God needs to be working in my heart and in my mind. And if we're realistic about that, we can all say the same thing. If we're not realistic about that, we're not fooling anyone except ourselves. God's not fooled. And so I really want to get serious about my faith. I really want to, to, to work on being more prayerful. I want to work on renewing my mind. I want to work on on the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I want to find the things that Jesus modeled in his life, and I want to make those part of mine. 
I want to be serious about my faith. All of us have a finite number of seconds left to be alive. We don't want to waste them. Obadiah ends saying that saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. The kingdom is the Lord's. It's just a question of whether or not I want to be a good citizen and live in it like a responsible person or whether I just want to take my citizenship and run pell-mell around the edges. That's kind of what the book of Obadiah is about. So we can take the book of Obadiah, whoops, close that up, put it on the shelf. There you go. And uh, that gets us there. It's 1030. So with that, let me bless you in the name of Jesus. And uh, next week, you've got famous Amos over there. Um, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much for your, your kindness, for your message for the way your spirit changes our lives from the inside out. It is my prayer that all of us will renew to you our fierce desire to be yours. That, that, that nothing will come between our, our heart's desire to serve you. And Father, we understand sometimes that means you put us in really tough situations. Sometimes you call us to suffer for the sake of Christ. And that's not easy for us, and it's very difficult, it's very hard, and we want to recoil and sometimes even get angry with you. But Father, we dedicate ourselves to your calling on our lives. We want your message, and we want to be your little servants. So purify us in the blood of Jesus. Continue to work within us. We humbly ask in his name. Amen.